Shut up and sit down. The real problem is not whether machines think, but whether men do. It went up. It went up to the cloud. And you can't get it down from the cloud? Nobody understands the cloud. It's a mystery. Master the tools and technology that will change the way we do just about everything. Welcome to the gig. Hey there, thanks for tuning into the gig. You've probably heard of Docker. If so, you'll be happy to know that it's not the only container technology player on the market now. For creating infrastructures that are secure, lightweight, and easy to manage, you'd be remiss not to check out Rocket from CoreOS. CoreOS is about much more than containers, however, and we talked to its creator and CEO to learn more. So check it out. Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast. Uh, we're extremely happy to have Alex Pulvey, CEO of CoreOS, on this episode of The Gig. Prior to CoreOS, Alex was the creator of CloudKick, a cloud server monitoring SaaS that was acquired by Rackspace back in 2010. And uh, he started CoreOS, which is a Linux-based OS that's been described as the Linux OS as a service, basically using Linux containers to manage services at a higher abstraction level. Definitely excited to jump into the technical, but before that, I I wanted to ask you about your yo-yoing prowess, Alex. When and how did you acquire your six skills in yo-yoing? <laughs> um, well, you've done your research. I, um, <laughs> so I know it probably goes uh, unstated, but doing a lot of yo-yoing meant I was a very cool kid in high school. Absolutely. Um, and so uh, that that's uh, that's the main thing, you know. I was one of those. One of those those folks really into sports and uh, <laughs> all the cool kid stuff. Um, that's what got me really good at, at yo-yoing. Um, but no, it was just a stupid uh, thing that that we did growing up and got got decently good at it. Went to a few national championships, um, you know. And national yo-yoing is pretty funny because you don't know if you're going to get you know your your butt kicked by an eighty year old or by an eight year old. It's hmm. just uh, all over the map the yo-yoing subculture. Yeah, I actually saw the video of your uh, yo-yo performance on YouTube, so uh, that's where I got that from. <laughs> I was definitely digging the jet background music. Where was that actually? Uh, um, I think it was like it looked I, like it was at a mall. Oh, I think that was Northwest Regionals in Seattle. Okay, very nicely synchronized. <laughs> Any musical skills to speak of? Uh, no, no, just uh, the, just the key, just the keyboard, the uh, the qwerty. <laughs> and, and, and walking the dog <laughs> right <laughs> um favorite album of all time oh that's a tough one i think i'd have to go with siamese dream from ah, smashing pumpkins good one so how did you get started in tech um i got started in tech um you know when i wasn't yo-yoing i was playing with <laughs> computers um and uh and you know I, I got involved uh with open source software again in high school um you know, playing with originally, ironically, Red Hat Linux, Red Hat Five, I think mm. what it was then, um, and uh, and yeah, that that's what I originally got involved with all this stuff, playing with Linux and open source, um, and then kind of just continued the steady train of infrastructure and open source since then. And you uh, grew up in the uh, greater Portland area? Yeah, about an hour and a half outside of Portland. What was the impetus or catalyst for the creation of CoreOS? CoreOS is really a culmination of a, a bunch of different thinking um but the the main idea was kind of looking at the problem from a point of view of what could we do to fundamentally improve the security of the internet and our observation is that the key to security is around updates and everybody's server infrastructure is just getting hacked left and right right now and we believe that's primarily due to a company's ability 
to update their software, not just like deploy vulnerability fixes or deploy, um, you know, a new version of their own software, but just even having the safety to update their applications. Because uh, right now, state of the art on a server is to get it running and, and don't touch it. And so we we're like, if we could just make the whole environment more safe to update as well as just make things more easily to update, we think we could make a huge stride in terms of improving the security of everybody's infrastructure. That's kind of like the bulk of the problem. And so um, kind of looking at, at that from more of the mission side and then combining it with, hey, there's probably a business opportunity here as well if we can actually pull all this off, um, you know, that that's how we how we got started. So Docker, of course, has been seeing extraordinary traction in the space lately. But I guess from a security standpoint, you know, we're looking at Docker kind of using isolation, right, as a form of security. In terms of CoreOS, I mean, I know CoreOS shares somewhat of a common heritage and has significant synergies with Docker. Can you tell us a little bit more about the relationship between the two? Like how exactly does CoreOS, um, uh, I guess, leverage Docker in its distribution of uh, Linux? Sure. So in our quest to secure the internet, there's a number of things we need. We need a lightweight OS that we can update and ideally update automatically. We need a container so that the application is separate from the actual host itself. That means that we can kind of manage them independently. Right now, the way most um, environments work, you update the server and it, it could potentially break all the all the applications because something might change that's shared between the applications that, that are deployed onto that machine. Um, and so we need a container and um, Docker emerged right, right when we needed it and um, and so we've been definitely part of that kind of trend. Um, Docker sort of woke everybody up to, to the advantages of containers. And since then, we've seen, um, you know, a number of technologies both under things like uh, CoreOS Linux, but then also over, you know, things like uh, Kubernetes right. and the cluster management systems that are also part of the puzzle. It's, you need to manage all the way up to that layer. Um, it's not just, not just under um, so while you know, our name is, is CoreOS because that's the first product that we built, what we're trying to help companies do is build the, uh, that whole platform, um, the, you know, the whole, um, that whole distributed container-based, you know, lightweight OS-managed um, type of environment. The environment we call it Google's infrastructure for everyone else, this type of computing that we've seen the hyperscale guys do, but not really any other environments. Um, and, uh, and so... That whole package is the world that we want to exist in, in you know, exist for mm-hmm. us to do the things we want to do around security. And um, Docker, you know, really unlocked this discussion about it, really centered around the container. Um, and the container is sort of the impetus for this this larger discussion of this new way of running infrastructure. You know, CoreOS has developed Rocket, which is, I guess it's, would you call it a Docker alternative? I mean, how does it compare? Yeah, it's a Docker alternative. Um so Docker's a number of things. Um, kind of the Docker we all know um, is referred to as the Docker engine, which is the tool that actually downloads and runs a container. Um, and that piece um, is what Rocket is an alternative to. Mm-hmm. Uh, we built it um, primarily to address some issues around security. If you're trying to secure the internet, there's just some corners that couldn't be cut, um, and we couldn't really fix them in Docker without Docker being rewritten in its entirety. Um, and we're not in a position really to rewrite Docker. Um, so we right. decided just to our own tool. Are there any gotchas to containerizing like applications? What are some of the ideal use cases and some of the use cases that would not benefit that much from containerization, I guess? So I, I asked this question actually on Twitter not too long ago about like, what are some applications that can't be put into a container? Because there's this kind of meme that they're like, you know, lots of legacy applications don't work well in containers. So I was trying to figure out exactly what those are, you know? Yeah. Um, and it turns out 
there's not really anything. I mean, if you think about it, um, what's happening is a container is a process running on a server at the at the lowest level piece. And before containers, we were able to successfully run all applications as processes on servers. Um, and so um, that doesn't change when you have containers. Just the method that they're packaged and ran change changes a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, you, you might need to repackage your application, but that doesn't mean it won't run um, in a container. Mm -hmm. um, so that's actually one of the yeah the bigger myths I think of containers is that there's this class of applications that don't work, and and it's just technically not true. Mm -hmm. Nothing has changed um, in the way Linux works between containers and so on. The way again it's packaged and ran might have to change a little bit, but the, its actual ability to run has not. What are the major I guess security benefits to um, using technologies like uh, Rocket for isolating applications and kind of delivering um, applications as sure. So there's. There's the advantage of, of containers in general, and then there's the advantages of Rocket versus Docker. Um, and stepping back to containers in general, containers have gotten a decent, you know, like a kind of a bad rap um, about security. Um, and I, honestly, we haven't done our, our stuff to help that because we pointed out a lot of issues with Docker itself. Um, but if we step back for a moment, I think what were companies doing before containers um, really what was happening before containers is really two options. You either ran one, one server per application that you wanted to run, meaning you spun up a new virtual machine or you ran a full physical server for one application. And that's, that's the highest grade of isolation you can get. Even today, you have one virtual machine or one physical server with one application on it. And that's like about as good as you can get. Right. But what most companies did is they ran multiple applications on one server just because you know the capacity of a server is actually pretty big and so you want to you know utilize that stuff right um, and before containers you would just do that and um, and as good as you could do um, you know but if anybody was hacked any of those processes were hacked the kind of you know the, the thing most operations guys would realize is well hey if they hacked that that means they got the rest of the server which means all the other applications running on that server right okay um, with a container even with a docker container while it's not a perfect isolation mechanism it is still another wall you know it's right. like the it's like the chain link fence around the prison you know right. <laughs> that's not the only thing keeping the prisoners in but it is like a layer of security which could not be there if they didn't want it to be you know and before right. Before the um, before containers, most companies just didn't have that chain link fence at all. Um, so it's another layer. It's not a perfect security measure, but it is a it is another layer. Which you know, security is there's not a one trick pony to security. You just kind of need multiple defenses. Uh, and so running your applications in a container is uh, adds another layer. Assuming that you're not already running one application per server, which is really uh, the best way you can go and do it. Okay, yeah, right. Um, and then, um, as we talk about Rocket versus Docker, well, now this gets into very Unixy kind of implementation details things. There's simple things like the way, and this is not even advanced security features. These are just basic kind of operations 101 security features. So the way that Docker works is it's a daemon running on a server, which has all the kind of core functionality built into that daemon. And when you're running the Docker command, you're actually talking, it's an it's a client that's talking to that daemon over HTTP. So that thing that runs your container is actually running a little web server, and your Docker command is making an HTTP connection to that daemon and and you know running 
running it. It's a little web server thing. Right. Um, and so what that means is everything on your everything that Docker's doing is running as root on your server, including that little web server or the things that talk to the internet to download images, for instance. Mm -hmm. And operations 101 is just like anything that talks to the internet, you don't run as root Roots, on your right. server because people will hack it. Mm -hmm. um, and so to fix this in Docker, you'd essentially have to rewrite Docker to break out those components into different little tools altogether so that you can do privilege separation between them. Um, and, and, uh, and so that's, that was the first impetus to, to rock it. A another one was around the just basic things. When you download content off the internet, you want to use cryptography to verify that it is the stuff that you expected because what could happen is the thing you're downloading it from could have been compromised and rewritten without you knowing it. Right. So you have to use cryptography to verify using a signature that, that just the thing you download is what you want, especially for something that you're about to go run on your server, <laughs> you know? <Right. laughs> um, and we don't consider these things some advanced security features. These are just like operations 101, and, and we th these things couldn't, were not getting fixed in Docker, and we, we did our best to fix them in upstream and could not, so we went down our own path. What are some of the exciting developments coming down the pipe for CoreOS? Um, yeah, so in our quest to help companies run infrastructure in this this new way, um, we've we've been putting together... Know, productized versions of it too. We, we put out a number of open source projects that allow companies to build up their own environments and we're just about to release our you know Google-like infrastructure in a box um, called Tectonic. Um, and Tectonic uh, is for companies that, that want to take advantage of containers and distributed systems and kind of everything that's emerging in the space but don't want to waste time kind of piecing it all together. Um, we've, we've put it all together for them as well as added some additional things that businesses will need to, to run it successfully in production. Um, and, you know, we've been in an open preview mode um, on that, uh, you know, signing up lots of folks to test it out, kind of beta quality software with us. And, um, and the next milestone for us is actually, you know, releasing that to the wild. Great. And that's available off of uh, the CoreOS website? Yeah, you can go to tectonic.com. Okay. Um, we, we run it as a kind of separate brand, but yeah, it's at tectonic.com, um, and that is the, the, full, the full platform. And again, for companies that are using CoreOS Linux and Docker and Rocket and Kubernetes and etcd, essentially they're piecing together their own version of Tectonic. Um, you know, they're, they're taking all the open source stuff and assembling their own versions of Tectonic. And that's one way to approach it. But for businesses that are ready to go today, we have a solution for them. Hey, Alex, well, it's great to have you on the gig. And uh, thank you so much for joining us. All right. Thank you. Hey there. Thanks for listening to the gig. And special thanks to Alex Polvey from CoreOS for joining us on this episode. For more information about containers, virtualization, DevOps, security, check out scriptrock.com.